is Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. Before we get to ask the GM, I would just like to say Floyd said about 20 minutes ago he doesn't think I'll ever get married. Said it again. I think there's a chance I'll get married. There's absolutely no chance. What is there a higher chance of? Vrabel and Robinson getting fired after the year if the team doesn't win enough or me getting married one day? Oh, I would say in that case, you getting married. Better chance of that? Yeah. That, that tells you how much Floyd thinks that Robinson and Vrabel are safe no matter what. It is 5 o'clock on a Thursday, which means it's time for you and the GM. When the GM speaks. A little bit of the personality. Everybody listens. They understand every situation. And we're giving you exclusive access to Pick the Brain of former Titans GM Floyd Reese. Brought to you by Pella Windows of Nashville and Bob Steak and Chop House. Call 615-737-1025 now. You're never going to make a mistake. This is Ask the GM. Ask the GM is presented by Bob Steak and Chop House and Pella Windows of Nashville. The best call for the GM will win a pair of tickets to... A day to remember with special guest Prevail at Municipal Auditorium on Friday, November 22nd. Sturgill is going to kick us off on Ask the GM. Go ahead, Sturgill. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I just got to say, Jared, I agree with Floyd about that Mariota guy. Uh, Floyd, if you were GM, do you th- wouldn't you just draft somebody and save all that extra money and build up the team that way? And then also, Floyd, do you think the Bruins will pull off the upset tonight? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> Thank you for the call. I did not know UCLA was playing our great coach, Chip Kelly. Yeah, I didn't know either and, and won't watch either. Um, uh, this is a UCLA I, Hall of Famer that is saying hater, you won't watch. Hater. Uh, it's, call BruinsBlog.com so say so UCLA Hall to, of Famer won't watch they anymore. They lost to Oregon State. I mean, did you ever thought you'd see the day, Floyd? Never. Yeah. Oregon State, we used to thump like they were. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I forgot the would question. You, would you draft a quarterback instead of signing oh, one so that you would have all I that cap space? Yeah, I mean, here's the, here's the problem. And this is the decision ultimately they will have to make. What is what? What kind of condition is your team in? And if you think you can compete say, next year or compete for a couple of years, then you're going to want to go out and get a veteran guy, somebody that, uh, you know, has been in the league, that understands the league, that has learned the league, simply because you want to try to win as fast as you can. If you don't think, if you think it's going to be a ways away, then I think you jump out and you draft somebody because you know, you know, that that's going to be time-consuming it's going to take him, just like we've seen with Marcus, you know, four years or more to get to a point you can make a decision on him. And, you know, the chances are are probably, we said yesterday, something like uh, 20% that that's going to work out. So that doesn't even guarantee you that you're going to have the team you're looking for. So it's it's tough. It's scary. I mean, there are a lot of... A lot of considerations to put into this decision. Let's go to Fred, who's up next here on Jared and the GM. Thank you for calling on Ask the GM. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, uh, Floyd, you've been a GM. Uh, this week, all the talk has been about uh, quarterback this, quarterback that. You guys have been going over the list of if we could get this quarterback, you know, we would win the Super Bowl. 
I don't know that it matters who the quarterback is. He, he can't stand up back there because the offensive line is just not blocking anybody. Um, if you were the GM right now of this team, what would be your focus to turn, turn everything around? Would you focus on the offensive line more? Would you focus on the quarterback? What are your thoughts having been somebody who's been there? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll listen offline. I mean, I can understand why you would, you would focus on the offensive line. The problem is what can you do? And that's, you know, we've got Taylor. I mean, I'm I'm convinced that the left side is going to be okay when it's all said and done. But you've got a right guard that is going to play in his third game this week and, and has never, he hasn't even practiced in the NFL. He hasn't done anything in the NFL except play two games. And, and you know, we, we've seen how he's played. So, uh, I, you know, he's learning on the run and it's going to take time. And if you don't have somebody you think can go in and take that job and fill in, then, you know, you're stuck in that situation. Um, so you have to try to change the offense, and this is the problem that the coordinator's going through. You know, you've got to try to adjust the offense enough that you take that into consideration and can still find a way to to protect the quarterback. And you can do that from time to time. But there are plays that, you know, you're going to – they're going to give you a front. They're going to give you a blitz. They're going to give you something that will – will alter what you're hoping can be your protection uh, scheme. And, you know, chances are your quarterback's probably going to get hit. Um, so, I mean, the the offensive line is has been a real struggle. And, I mean, that's affecting the entire team. Um, and, and it's something that's got to get fixed. But I think it's going to be a little bit like the quarterback. I mean, it's going to take them a couple weeks to, to see what that line is like and see – you know, how, how uh, Tannehill does as a quarterback. Let's go to Pat, who's up next on Ask the GM, 615-737-1025. Ask the GM, presented by Bob Steg at Chap House in Pella Windows in Nashville. Pat, go ahead. Hey, y'all. How are y'all doing? Good. Good. Hey, wanted to ask you, Floyd, how many games ago, if you were the GM of the Titans, would you have fired the offensive line coach? I'll uh, hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for the call. You know, this this is the decision that you have to make. Is this because of the offensive line coach or is it because of your left tackle not being there for four games, a new left guard, and a new right guard? And, you know, if you're taking three-fifths of your offensive line and changing it all or starting all over with it new or not having them practice together – or as in the case of of the young, you know, the young guard, not practice at all. I mean, I'm not sure that whoever you think is the best offensive line coach in in the world could help that, you know, that group. Um, and so, you know, you before you decide whether or not you want to do it. And I'm all I have never had a problem with firing somebody. As long as you know you're bringing in somebody better, because it all it does if you if you fire a guy to bring in somebody else that you don't absolutely know is better, 
then all you're doing is, you know, you're shaking up the carton again. And it's and it's not going to help you because now they're going to have to get used to the new coach and what he wants and his techniques and his schemes, um, which only, you know, moves you back a little bit longer. So Jeff Fisher was the coach when you were the GM, and you fired a head coach before, and you hired him to be coach. But it was Jeff Fisher's coaching staff. So as a GM, how would that work with it being his coaching staff, but you are the general manager as far as, in this case, the offensive line coach is concerned? If I, as the general manager, thought that he you needed to be to fired. You wanted to fire the O-line coach, but Jeff's like, no, I believe in my O-line coach. Yeah, no, we. I mean, if I really thought that, then we'd fire him. <laughs> <laughs> so then why'd you hire Norm Chow? Well, I didn't hire anybody and, and really didn't fire any of those guys. I mean, so, you know, it's it's it was never an issue for me. I mean, that was always I shouldn't say that it was it was largely Jeff. And I'm not pointing fingers. I mean, it's just that, you know, in all those situations, I always believed if you're the head coach, you should hire your staff. You should be the one that hires and fires and manages your staff. Not necessarily contracts, but but you know who's who you want and and who you don't want. Um, so we we largely did that. Uh, like I said, the vast majority of the time. Let's get another batch of calls for the GM. One line open. Snag it. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Ask the GM is presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Nashville and Bob Steak and Shop House. Let me tell you about Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electric. Those guys take great care of my home. The wind, the weather is changing. It is sweater weather. Both Ian and I are rocking sweaters today, which tells you it's sweater weather. Well, you don't want that heat to go out. Schedule a tune-up today. HappyHiller.com. And if Hiller finds an issue at your home, they will take care of you with a very effective price. Why? Because they believe in true transparency pricing. True transparency pricing allows you to get the best price possible and you'll understand why you're getting charged what you're getting charged. It's why I trust Hiller at my home. That's right. Don't be caught in the cold this winter. Make sure your HVAC unit, your heating is up to date. That's right. Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. Schedule your appointment online. HappyHiller.com. True Transparency Pricing. Proud supporters of both the Nashville Predators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. Jared the GM. It's ESPN 1025 The Game. Ask the GM is presented by Bob Steak at Chap House and Pella Windows of Nashville. We got loaded phones. Let's go to them. Scott is up next on Ask the GM. Scott, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, guys. Uh, so going back to 2016, we had the number one offensive line. Mariota, this best, Mariota had his best year. Marco Murray led the AFC in rushing. There's a huge underrated piece of that team that left after that year. Uh, and that's Anthony Fasano. How important do you feel that it is to have a tight end who we can focus on just blocking so we don't have guys like Johnny Smith and Delaney Walker chipping on the line, delaying their route, um, where we can just have a guy help the line get Jack Conklin back to an all-pro level? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, the heart, I mean, a blocking tight end is really, really important if you're going to run the ball and run the ball effectively. 
and and he was you know a good on the line uh, line of scrimmage blocking tight end. That being said, they are getting harder and harder to find simply because colleges run so much spread now. If they have a tight end, he's, you know, 6'4", 225 pounds. Versus, he's just a big receiver instead of a real blocking tight end. So it's getting harder and harder to find those guys. But depending on what your philosophy is, if you're going to go in, you want to run the ball effectively – I mean, you need some tight end to block because people are setting the edge too quick on you anymore. You can't get outside. Not not that we're a big outside running team, but they make it so hard. You just, you know, you're kind of wasting your time trying to get outside. What do you think of uh, Michael Pruitt as the blocking tight end, 85? You know, I think he's okay. It's a bit, the problem is that's, you know, about all he does. And so when he goes running into the game, it's what they expect. That's why it's. I mean, at that point, not, you're better off making Dennis Kelly eligible and just having him block as a yeah, six. That's guy. why it's nice if you have somebody that's got a little bit of size that can block, that is also capable of running, you know, patterns and, you know, doing doing something to get open and catch the ball. Mike Roan, let's go back to your phones. Ty Reese is up next. Ty Reese, you're on with the GM Floyd Reese. Hey guys, doing? Um, I have a, actually have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is from the outside looking in, uh, from uh, Cam Newton looking like he's possibly possibly lost his job in uh, Carolina, and you said uh, if we feel like that we have what we need, we just need a veteran guy to come in and get us over the hump. What would it take for us to get a guy like a Cam Newton or a Teddy Bridgewater? And uh, my second part is just. Um, when the quarterbacks or later in the season, if we're the disarray that we're in, our GMs looking at tape at other quarterbacks who possibly had starting positions and looking at to see, hey, this guy's pretty good. Can we uh, maybe pick him up that's better than what we have? And I hang up a list. Thanks, Tyrese. Yeah, as far as the unrestricted guys or, or guys that potentially could be out there, you know, I mean, I think um, – um, it's it, it. You're always looking at how they lost their job, and in Cam's situation, it's not going to be attractive to a lot of people to know that he lost his job to an undrafted free agent quarterback. You know, uh, whereas at least with Mark in Marcus's case, he can say he lost it to a guy who was uh, however many years Ryan started in Miami. You know, five, six, seven years, lost it to a seven-year starter. Um, so that's a plus. As far as Bridgewater, I think Bridgewater is going to be an unrestricted free agent, and that just means you got to buy him. You know, you've got to how much? How much are you going to be willing to to pay? And and who's going to be in it for competition? Um, because there are always teams looking for quarterbacks. And you know, this is a bad example, but you know, like let's say Minnesota did 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 decide to get rid of Cousins, well, now they'll be looking for a quarterback. Now, they've had Teddy, so that wouldn't work. But, um, you know, a Teddy Bridgewater becomes uh, a valuable item there. And if you've got five or six teams that are doing that, you know, if if people are thinking, okay, I'm going to pay this guy $18 million a year, I'm just throwing out numbers. Well, by the time they're done with the bidding, that may be up to, you know, 
28, 23, who knows? But simply, and you have to decide, I think, as a team, if you're going to be willing to get in on all that bidding. Yeah, I, I would take Bridgewater in a heartbeat. And maybe some of that is because I'm a total homer, uh, which, I mean, look, the, I was in college uh, for one year when Bridgewater was in college, and he brought us back at Louisville. And everything I know about the guy, he's like Marcus off the field in terms of the way he operates. But I think he's probably better than Marcus, has more confidence than Marcus, and with this defense, and I think Bridgewater's proving this, if you get Teddy a good quarterback, a good defense, he will win. He did it in Minnesota. He's doing it in New Orleans. The Titans have a good defense. I would kill for Teddy Bridgewater to be the next quarterback of the Titans. Dennis is up next. Go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, 31 teams in the league seem to have figured out how to run the 8-12 to 12 yard curls out and slant. We've got Humphreys, Delaney, and, and Davis. And I don't understand why – they can't do it. Is it play calling, quarterback? I mean, you don't want to say protection because Jared could run that route in a second and a half, so that should be fine. I'd love to hear the GM break that down, why they can't complete the simple routes. Thank you for the call, man. Yeah, I think this boils down to just what we talked about before. You know, the and, and those routes are as simple as they get in the league, and and literally everybody should be able to compete. But if you're not you know, familiar with throwing it to the guy that you're throwing the pass to. You know, in this case, let's say it's it's Brown, it's AJ Brown, and you're not familiar, then you're going to throw it bad, or you're just you know not accurate. Uh, and I think with Marcus, that's been you know it sounds like you know they didn't work in the off season. If they didn't work in the off season, then you know you're not going to be honed in on all those kinds of stuff. I mean, when you watch. Truly veteran quarterbacks, the few I've been around that are really, really good. I mean, when you run a pattern, they want it exact. And you will run that thing ten times if you have to to get it exactly the way it's supposed to be. Um, and they demand that. And and I'm not sure, you know, if you if you don't work much in the offseason, then it's hard to demand a bunch of stuff, I think. Let's go to John, who's up next on Ask the GM. John, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, GM. Yes, sir. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you a question. Like, for a guy like Marcus, he, he's been, uh, he started 61 or what, 63. He had 63 starts. He's been playing right. for, for over four and a half years. Has there, and, you know, he's, he hasn't showed to me that he's been a uh, franchise quarterback after all this time. Has there ever been a quarterback in the NFL that got to play as much as him and eventually wasn't a franchise quarterback and became a franchise quarterback? Because I think Rabel is just playing probabilities, and he's just, you know, he wants the probabilities to tell him no. But yeah. I didn't know if it was. You know, it, it it's happened. It's not, I mean, it's extremely rare. You know, Steve Young was the quarterback at Tampa Bay, and and was a high draft choice, and they were god-awful. And he got killed. And, you know, they ended up, San Francisco ends up trading for him, and the rest is history. So it does happen periodically. Um, it's just not something that you can count on. If it happens, you are truly blessed, truly lucky. Um, but generally speaking, if... If a guy goes in and and he can't be a franchise quarterback at one place, 
you know, that t- most franchises are willing to take a little bit of time to make sure that this guy is not going to leave your place and go someplace else and and blossom into, you know, the star you wanted him to be. Him to be. Uh, and so they're going to, generally speaking, be sure of that before they do anything. Let's go to Adam, who's up next on Ask the GM. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, GM. Um, I was going to ask, uh, a guy like uh, Charlie Weiss uh, could like advise these young coaches of uh, possibly something they're doing wrong. I mean, it's a learning experience, but maybe he could help make them better. Uh, I, I mean, I'm a believer in, you know, in experience. And, and there's two areas in my mind that you you need experience. And you need experience in the secondary and you need experience in the offensive line. And, and um, if you don't have the experience, then I think, yes, I think there are a lot of, of young coaches that could gain, you know, get educated a little bit by some of the older veteran guys. I mean, it's not, for example, by accident that, and I'm just throwing names out, you know, you go through and you say, okay, who are the best offensive lines in the, in the league? And, and probably nine out of ten people would go right to Dante Skarnecchia. Well, at New England. Well, Dante has been at New England for, I want to say, 35 years. And he's coached in the league before that. So, you know, from a coaching standpoint, he is, you know, going into maybe his 50th year. I don't know. Um, so, I mean, and, and and he is just outstanding. Uh, he knows exactly what to do with who, and it doesn't matter if you were a first rounder or a free agent. If you if you've got what he wants, he will make you a player. Um, but I think there's a couple of guys like that, and you know if you could get them in and and school you up a little bit, I'm sure it'd help. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. If you missed your chance to get in for Ask the GM next week, next Thursday at five o'clock is your opportunity to get in. Coming up next, though, Elliot Friedman is on the Midday Show now every week, the hockey insider in Canada, the one that kept saying Duchesne wanted to be a predator more than anything in the world. He's got some insight on the Roman Yossi deal. But in order to get it done, the predators may have to do something they don't want to do. We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game. What are you hearing about the predators in Captain Roman Yossi? Where are they on their negotiations? So I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I think last week, um, I know his agent is based in L.A. Uh, the Predators obviously were there last weekend. They played there last Saturday. I think they had a conversation. Um, you know, I, I think I get the sense the, the most people I talk to around the league guys think this is going to get done. They they find it very hard to believe that Nashville and VOC won't work this out. There are he's too good a player, and yours is too good a situation for the two of them not to figure it out. Sometimes these negotiations, they turn, everybody starts grinding. We've all done negotiations for contracts ourselves. People listening to this right now, they've all done contracts, most of them anyway, and you know that sometimes it gets, there's that grinding situation where you're, you're just trying to get 
both sides are just trying to get what they can. So I think the key number here is is nine. Um, that's where I think Yossi and his representatives would like to get to. I, like, I think at the end of the day, it's going to get done. I can't tell you for sure the number is going to start with a nine, but I think that's kind of the hurdle right now. I just think it'll happen. You just have to grind your way to get there. That was Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada Insider, says, look, the deal's going to get done between Yossi and the Predators. The deal's probably going to be around nine, which I think is probably a steal when you consider what some of these defensemen are going for nowadays. The deal's going to be somewhere around nine. It's going to get done. Now, we had Sean Henry on the show before the season, and we kind of alluded a question to Sean about, you know, is Roman going to stay or not? And Sean kind of alluded to us that he thinks Roman Yossi's going to be a predator for a long time. So I think both sides think, to the point of Elliot Friedman, the deal is going to get done. I think $9 million, Floyd, is an absolute steal. But that's not without a little caveat, as Elliot Friedman later noted to the Midday Show. The one thing I had heard in the summer, because I had heard, guys, that there was momentum in the summer, and it kind of stalled around the time where, you know, Yossi, he got married, and he went on his honeymoon, and, you know, I think that just kind of was a natural hitch in the whole process. But what I had heard in the summer was that the Predators had made it clear that they knew that this was a, a, a different situation, that, you know, he was their captain, that things were changing in the NHL in terms of some of the things that had been happening, and they recognized that they were probably going to have to do things that they hadn't done in the past, and they understood it. So I would assume that um, he's going to get some sort of no-trade protection or, or protection, maybe for, I don't know, the begin- I don't know if it'll be more for the beginning than the end, but I, I think that there was, I don't know the exact ins and outs of it, but I do believe they were understanding or willing to give some protection for certain parts of the contract that were more than they usually did. I think everybody recognized that this was a unique situation with a unique player in the history of the team. So there's Elliot Friedman saying, hey, unique situation means they're going to do things they don't usually do. And we saw, I forget what the limited no trade provision for DeShane is, but it's it's like weird. It's like after the third year with 16, like I, I don't even know. And honestly, I don't even care. The truth is this is a team that said no, no trade clauses, except for the goalie. The goalie gets a no trade clause. Everybody else, no, no trade clauses. Now they've made an exception for DeShane, and it sounds like Elliot Friedman says they're going to make an exception for Yossi. Floyd, what rabbit hole are they going to go down if they start making exceptions here for everybody? Which it seems like David Poyle is using the, hey, no tax, so we'll pay you less. But if I'm going to do that, i got to give him something, you know, to get DeShane to come for less, Ellis to come for less, Yossi to come for less. Like, i got to do something I don't want to do in order to get them to take less money, which they're willing to do because they get taxed less. Yeah, and uh, I mean, let's face it, they're not going to take less money and and turn right around and get traded to Canada or someplace where the taxes are twice as high as you want them to be, and now all of a sudden you're making less money than you you were making to begin with. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a catch-22, and once you start doing it, 
and I'm sure David realizes this. I mean, once you start doing it, then then everybody's going to want it, and, and and it becomes a very you know it becomes a part of every negotiation. The thing I don't like about it is it feels like Poyle's looking at this, you know, like like he's looking at the window. He's looking at, I mean, I'm guessing he's looking at his age, and he's looking at how much longer he's going to do this. And Poyle is like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah, you know, I know I've never given out no movement clauses before except for the goalie, but you know what? Screw it. I got one guy. Got how many more years does Poyle have doing this? Three, four? I don't know. I mean, I got three more years at doing this. Screw it. We're going for it. And if going for it means that I got to sacrifice the one thing that 15 years ago I would have never budged on, screw it. All right, I'm doing it. And I'm not sure I like that because I do like having a policy of, hey, we don't do that uh, for no trade clauses and things like that. And I also don't want to find myself in a position. Now, I get Yossi's a special case, but every player thinks they're a special case. How, and how, I don't want to get in the position where I'm giving like a guy like Kyle Turris a no trade. How class. many clubs don't do it? I don't know. I think that's one thing that Friedman note, noted in that clip. It's kind of you know leaning towards more your top players getting some type of limited yeah. no trade clause. I would imagine. most teams I think do that to their top players. And and if most teams are doing it, and I understand why he's holding on, I mean, but at a point in time, it's going to overtake you too. I mean, it's just something that you can't live without. I just don't want to give Kyle Turris a no movement clause. That's just all I'm trying to avoid is giving the future players like that. No movement clauses. And, I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, if they win a cup or two out of this, then who cares? But that's the key to all of this. Because remember a couple years ago where the Chicago Blackhawks were, where they had to just pay dearly because they gave Brent Seabrook a seven-year no-movement clause. And I get Roman Yossi is not Brent Seabrook. Roman Yossi is your captain. Roman Yossi is a top 30 player in the sport. Roman Yossi is is you know can actually move unlike Brent Seabrook, but I think it's easy, and I think this is the case with all things in life. Once you mentally allow yourself to make exceptions for one or two people, then you start to make exceptions for this and that and this and that. I've never been married, so I've never had an affair, but I feel like this is kind of how those things start, right? Like you're married and you're you're uh, honest with your wife for three four years. And then all of a sudden, this one night, we were out on this thing, and we were kind of tipsy, and then next thing you know, and then it happens, and then, but then once you've done it, it's like, well, you know, I've already done it, and it wasn't that bad, I'll do it again. Then it comes like, all of a sudden, you got seven mistresses in six different cities. And that's, that, that I can just, that's how I feel like giving no trade exemptions are going to be. For the Predators, if they start getting... Hey, it's easy to say, got to give one to Roman Yossi because he's Roman Yossi and he's your captain and the, he's your the guy. The problem is... Now that, see, I, in my mind, the goalie, you could do it with because the goalie is completely different position. Because you could look at a wide receiver and say, I do that for the quarterback. Yeah, and but when you start doing it for you know, one or two of the guys that aren't goalies then I think that opens it up for everybody. Because the next guy, whoever the next guy is that you're going to want to sign, he's going to come there and he's going to say, yeah, you know, I'll sign for 
for this much less money and a no trade. And if you say no, he's going someplace else. So now your decision is do you you know, do you sign him up or not? Can I make one suggestion to the Predators and to Roman Yossi on my behest? Sure. Whenever you decide to sign your contract, can we make sure that it's not when the Titans are figuring out what to do with their quarterback position? I'd like to keep the two things separate. I, I, I would really like, like, what I would hate is for the Titans have traded, like in February, the Titans have traded uh, their number one pick to the Lions in exchange for Matthew Stafford, and on the same day, the Predators go eight years at $9 million per for Roman Yossi. Now I got too much to talk about. Just give me one one week, and then give me the next one the next week. That's all I ask. Is that selfish of me? Maybe a little bit. But I think we all know on this show, I'm a little selfish sometimes. Is really? It- on this show, not in life. Really? Just on this show. Is, I, I think I'm pretty not selfish. This is Mr. I want to get married talking about affairs and being selfish. I'm but not saying I have lots them. Of luck. I'm not saying that I have affairs lots and I'm not dying luck. to be married. I think I just think that one day I will be married and the GM is convinced that I won't be married. No chance. I don't know why you say that. You do realize that, like, we've been together for four years on this show. That is roughly, like, better than 50% of the marriages in the United States. Just so you know that. Right. Four years together is, is longer than that. So we've made it past... Like the average, and like the average radio show's got to be. Well, yeah, but I'm only with you four hours a day. If I was with you eight hours a day, I'd have strangled you already. How many hours a day are you with Sally? I mean, probably not four hours, (laughs) come to think of it. So, I mean, isn't that the reason why you're doing this job is because you and Sally were spending too much time together once you got out of the league? I think she was thinking that. And once you, once when you were in the league, how much time were you spending with Sally? Oh, none. We we were happily married. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Vrabel talking the other day about you know the how hard he's working to the detriment of my family, and I'm like Mike. So is Bill O'Brien. So is Frank Reich. So is uh, who's that bum in Jacksonville? Marone. And the so truth are all is, of those most guys. Of, most of the guys that are that are, have the personality to be one of those, you know, if they were at home all the time, stay at home husband or whatever probably wouldn't be married very long <laughs> by the way one observation i've made uh travis haney tweeted this out the that a storyline in college football nobody's talking about is the fact that will muschamp has gone from being like that that guy on the sidelines that dad that was yelling and screaming at florida to this like grandfather figure where now he's a little chunkier and he's got the glasses and he's not yelling up and down the sidelines and it's like it's pretty wild how everything around Will Muschamp has changed in like the last four years. You know, at Florida, it was Muschamp wins a lot, but he doesn't win enough. At South Carolina, he don't win anything, but he beat Georgia, so we ain't way there to you go, go. Muschamp. He's in. You know, like that's is that not amazing? New contract, and he must be dying because every game that he would lose at Florida, I mean, they want to run him out of town. Oh yeah, and now. It's like we win at South Carolina. They want to name me mayor. We lose. We just move on to the next week. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. 
Predators game day. Preds in Arizona's later tonight. Preds game day coming up next. It's Jared and the GM right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. From the Wholesale Link Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's game day in Smashville. Brought to you by TJ Anderson Homes and Geno's East. What are Peter Laviolette's keys to the game? Who will be in and out of the lineup? It's time to break it all down on Jared and the GM on your flagship home of Smashville. 102.5 The Game. Predators game day. That's right. Presented by TJ Anderson Holmes and Geno's East. Grab a historic slice of Chicago deep dish tradition before or after Preds, homes game, Preds home games. Geno's East on the corner of 3rd and Korean Vets. Info at geno'seast.com backslash Nashville. Tonight, Predators at Arizona at the Gila River Arena, wherever the hell that Gila. is. Gila. Gila River. Gila River. Who cares? I'm never going Gila. to. I'm never going to the Gila River. <laughs> At the Gila River you ever Arena, see a Gila monster. <laughs> I've never seen a Gila monster. What's a Gila monster? I think it's some type of lizard. I figured this was some kind of corporate sponsor. To be honest with you, I mean, I, most of these things are all corporate sponsor. I guess Arizona, nobody goes there enough for there to be a corporate sponsor on there. Puck drop is at 9 o'clock central with the pregame show with Darren McFarland starting at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 1025. The game, the Predators starting off at 4-2-0, good for 8 points. Arizona 2-2-1, that's good for 5 points. The Predators 16 times. Nashville has scored 16 third-period goals. That is highest in the NHL. Not only is 16 the highest, Floyd, but the next closest is 11. That is Edmonton as they get set to take over today. Of course, we start with the coach's take, presented by T.J. Anderson Homes. Your road to real estate starts with my friend T.J. Anderson at tjandersonhomes.com. That's part of Benchmark Realty, T.J. Anderson Homes. Peter's saying, hey, it's not just one line like last year. They're getting it all across the forwards. We were really able to roll the lines. Um, I thought all the lines played really well. Um, you know, Kyle's line had some big contributions for us, and um, Benino's line had a big goal right at the start of the second period as well, so um, we were able to get going, and uh, I think when you can put the lines out there and just roll them over like that, it can become dangerous and hard to defend, so uh, when that happens and everybody's going, you get contributions from everybody. The coach's take presented by T.J. Anderson Holmes, Floyd Reese. Do we buy that the Predators will be able to roll four lines and score with four lines throughout the entire course of the season, or do we think this is something maybe we shouldn't get too excited about right now. I'm going to guess that if you look lead wide, it's it's highly unusual to have four lines that you can count on scoring every night or every other night. Um, so, I mean, if you if you could do that, it would certainly be a blessing. But I think, you know, most people look at it and think, okay, it's going to be tough. Now, we know we were counting on having two really good lines, and we obviously have that. Um, you know, if you throw a third one in there, that's great. And if you can somehow get as much, you know, contribution as as we've gotten from the from the fourth, then you're probably in pretty good shape. Which takes us to the injury report. Philip Forsberg, a game time decision today with a lower body injury. He was not at morning skate, which gives me the idea that Forsberg is not going to play. Uh, Yarn Croak, Johansson, Arvidsson on the first line. Daniel Carr, who was placed on waivers and is now, I guess, back. Daniel Carr was with Deshane and Grandlin. Now, God, I hope Peter Laviolette, you know, 
isn't planning on putting Daniel Carr on that line. <laughs> but he's done crazy things before. I mean, who thought the Scott Hartnell thing in the playoffs a couple years ago? We were like, what is Peter doing around here? Daniel Carr, Matt Deshane, Mikhail Grandlin, Colton Sissons, Nick Medino, Craig Smith, Rocco Grimaldi, Kyle Turris, and Austin Watson were your lines this morning. No Philip Forsberg. Lower body injury. He is a game-time decision. Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, in October, I'm not playing a guy if he's got any little bit of injury. I'm not playing him tonight uh, if I have that option. UC Soros, according to Adam Vingan, looks like he will start in net. Now, Pecorine is 19-9-2 in his career against Arizona, but it looks like that doesn't matter because it looks like UC Soros, who, by the way, has struggled this year so far, Floyd, 0-2 on the season, 5-0-8 goals against average, and an 8-4-4 save percentage. Juice! Time to play a little bit better. Well, we we've talked about the new system and and how the the emphasis on the offense m- might affect some of the defense, and I'm not sure that I can see much change in Pekka and how he's played. Well, uh, he's but, given up more goals, but I mean he's making. But he's crazy still saves. making great saves, uh, and and Saros for his couple outings has struggled a little bit. So, but but. You know what? He'll he'll figure it out. He'll come back. I mean, Pekka usually lives like in the the two point three goals against average range. He's at two seven five. To me, that shows you the change in philosophy. Soros is at five a game. Yeah, that's that's tough. Like that's <laughs> like <laughs> he didn't want to be there. Like let, you know, like let's uh, get you out of that one a little bit. Meanwhile, we take a look at the standings in the Central Division. The Predators are tied for second, a three-way tie. Colorado, the punch and Judy Avalanche. How about this? Now, I said last year they weren't punching Judy anymore. They have come alive to start the year 5-0-1. Not lost. Through their first six, good yeah. for 11 points. The Predators, Blues, and Jets all have eight points. Chicago with three, one, two, and one for the Blackhawks. Uh, Dallas, who a lot of people picked to win the division to start the year. Dallas, who knocked the Preds out last year, won six and one through eight games. What is going on in Dallas? I don't know. You'd certainly be concerned if you were living in Dallas. And like, I think that's a good team and a well-coached team and a young team and good players. And like, I, like, I think that that's a good team. Minnesota, who we all knew was going to suck. Minnesota won five and oh, they've got two points on the young season. You know that feeling where they say, can't really achieve a whole lot by winning early, but you can hurt yourself a whole lot by losing early. I wonder if Dallas, but especially Minnesota, but I wonder if Dallas is kind of finding themselves into that hole a little bit. Tonight at 8 o'clock, the pregame show starts. 9 o'clock with the voice of the National Predators, Pete Weber, on the call. Predators and Arizona. Floyd Reese, what are you watching for tonight? You know, again, I think the thing that was so interesting and so uh, inspiring about the last game was all four, four lines scoring. And and you got a power play on top of it all. Now, they, um, you know, the Coyotes have had a little bit of trouble scoring. They're not, you know, up there in the fives like we, we have been. So, uh, I mean, I would love to see us go back out and do that. Plus, it's there, and we have not consistently played well there uh, and near as well as we have, you know, at home. And so uh, I would like to see us go there and, and play well. And, you know, you may not score five or six, but, you know, get a nice win and have a little variety in the scoring.
Predators are one 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 and zero oh on the road. Arizona one one and zero oh at home. That pregame show coming up at eight o'clock. Meanwhile, we've got baseball coverage. Is it the ALCS or the? Well, the NLCS is over. The ALCS game four. ALCS game four coverage is coming up next. Jared and the GM will be back at two pregame at eight. Puck drop is at nine tonight. Preds and Arizona.